Ephesians 4, 1 to 16. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Thanks, Sam, for reading that. Thank you very much. Um, it's great, um, again, to be able to bring God's word to you tonight. And I'm just going to share my a screen. Hopefully this can be seen um, by you guys. I'm actually going to do some clicking myself tonight, which is great. Um, but hopefully you can see, can you see both me? and the powerpoint that's what you should be able to see now is that right yes right good um well guys as i said it's 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 wonderful um it's wonderful to be able to bring god's word to you tonight um it's been a really sweet time i think so far this evening i've really enjoyed it so i pray that that will continue for this next um part of our time i'm just going to pray before um we dig into god's word please do keep it open with you um on ephesians chapter four but father god um Lord, we're just in awe of what you have done for us and what you are doing in us. And we just pray tonight that we would um, just continue in a place of worship as we hear from your word, that we would be able to um, just hope, well, I pray, enjoy hearing um, truth um, that is here for our good, that is here to make us more like your son, Jesus. And I pray that we would um, just revel in our time tonight and that we would be able to take something away that is really going to um, help our walk with you, help us enjoy you more. I pray that we would be encouraged by what we hear um, and where there's a challenge needed that we'd be challenged as well, that we would be uh, moved to change. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I'm sure, um, ho hopefully you'll echo my thoughts here that I've really just enjoyed being in Ephesians. I thought it's been a really good um, a really good time and I've just especially just loved hearing and I'm going to say it again about God's grand plan um, what his grand plan is um, in 
in, in bringing a whole universe and world united in Christ. And that he's using his church, he's building a new humanity. His church has been gathered together. And we've seen already, haven't we, that it's a humanity that has been blessed with every spiritual blessing, chosen before uh, the world began. Um, and, and now we've seen about Jews and Gentiles that have become one. Uh, people that are hostile to one another have been made one and united in Christ. They're not divided now on ethnic lines. We're not by all, uh, the, the gospel is for everyone. And in heaven will be a wonderful, wonderful, eclectic mix of believers from every tribe and every nation. And we are now at peace with our creator, it says in Ephesians 2, through faith in him. And unity, we've been brought unity, and that has been brought despite the great diversity that there is amongst God's new humanity. And this church that he is gathering together, this new humanity is growing and growing and growing and his church is part of his plan to to reveal um to, to to unite all things in christ and to reveal that to the powers of, of this world isn't that wonderful that we are the centerpiece of this plan below christ obviously he's the centerpiece but we are being used to make god's glory known to the world to the rulers and authorities in this world that it can't be stopped this plan has been started and it cannot be stopped. But we live in this tension, don't we? We hear about it a lot. We talk about it a lot, the now and the not yet. That the unity of the church that we already possess, that we've been given because of Christ's death and resurrection, been guaranteed and sealed by the Spirit. We're, we're still in that not complete yet stage, aren't we? That we get to experience it now, experience some of the blessings now, but we have to await until we're with Christ in heaven until we fully know and experience that. And so what we've looked at so far in the first three chapters is we've looked at who we are now in Christ and what he's done. And then now in these next three chapters, I'm excited that because I'm one of these people that like to know what we've got to do in the light of something. And, and, and now we learn about what we have to do in the light of who we are. And I'm excited over the next few weeks or five or six weeks as we, as we look at that um, as a church. Well, sorry, I've not started my timer, so I'm just going to do that now so that I know where we're at. Um, how would you describe the state of the church today? What word would you use? Would you, would you use the word united? I would poss possibly not use that word. It doesn't feel like that, does it? I'd say disunity is probably one that we would probably say when we hear about the church today, especially in the UK, or maybe even decay maybe even um looking at the un unhealthy might be another way of looking at it i was just reading some stats and in the church of england 16 percent of the vicars would say that they are agnostic meaning that they don't believe that, that you can know the nature of god even though it's been revealed in christ two percent confess not to be christian and so we can see why in some states there is a form of um, maybe disunity breeding or an unhealthiness in churches around the around the country around the world even i don't know about you but i want to be part of a healthy church i, I want to make sure that um, we are working towards growing as we are i believe we are a healthy church but i want us to be aware and know what it means to be a healthy church the signs to look out for as well because a church that we, i want to be a church that doesn't contradict god's grand plan to show and make God known as being great through the uni unity that we show within our church 
I don't want to be a church that contradicts that plan. I don't think we do, but we've got to be mindful. I think we need to be aware of these things. How we live matters. How we live as a church matters. And I want us also to know what constitutes a healthy church because I think it's helpful. You know, one day we, you never know, you might move to another church. I don't think it's going to happen, but if it was to, it's helpful to know what signs should I be looking for as signs of a healthy church. And I don't want us to become complacent here at Oikos. I don't want us to think that, um, you know, I don't want us ever to be complacent. I want us to make sure we are healthy, that we are showing God to be great in all that we do. Well, I think what we, and, and, and I think what we see in this passage is that we can see three marks of what makes a healthy church. Three marks of what makes a healthy church. Well, firstly, that is spirit, a, he, a, a healthy church is marked by spiritual unity. We'll see that today, that a healthy church is marked by spiritual unity. It is then acted out within spiritual service towards one another. And then it leads to spiritual growth. So the three things that we're going to look at today, spiritual unity, spiritual service and spiritual growth. And so my prayer is and my desire is that this would be really helpful, encouraging, um, also give us eyes to, to what things to look out for and maybe things that we need to check in our own hearts as well. So here we go. Um, spiritual unity, verses one to six, the healthy church is marked by spiritual unity. You see, this is a unity despite diversity. We're all different, aren't we, from different backgrounds. We have our own strange idiosyncrasies that others might find a little bit annoying. Believe it or not, I think I might have some of those. But as we've seen, the Jews, the Gentiles were very, very different, weren't they? But like them, we need to remind them that we have been given unity. If we're all the same, we wouldn't need to be bothered be trying to be unified at all. But God has made us differently for a reason, so that we work towards or maintain, as it says in this passage, unity. Unity is given to us, it says here in verse 3, doesn't it? It talks about we are called to maintain the unity of the spirit that we have been given. We did not create this unity. We don't create it. We have been given it. We are called to maintain it. In verses 3 to 6, we are called to unity of the spirit because... We are of one spirit. We are of one because we are, um, and it's been given to us from the triune God, the triune God that knows unity better than anyone else. They are in perfect unity, always have been and always will be, living in perfect unity. Father, Son, and Spirit, perfectly one, have given us unity in Christ, a spiritual unity that we have. And we see this, it has seven ones that it labels here. Seven is the number of, of perfection um, in the Bible. And, and Paul uses it here to show that we've been given, that there is one body, one faith, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one baptism, one God. We are one, perfectly one. We've been given this unity. Oikos, we are one. Unity comes from God. So it is bigger than any social standing that we may have, our ethnicities, our cultural differences, our favouring of people at different times, of people that are similar to us. It is bigger than that. This is a unity that we are called to maintain. Well, what gives, um, what builds unity? What builds unity? If we look in uh, verses one, two and three here, we have unity 
And we are called in verse one to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which we've been called. Because of who we are, we are called to show one another humility, gentleness, patience, bear with one another in love. I think that's hard, isn't it, to hear that? That's how we are to, to live and that's how we are to walk in our lives with one another. And so I love this word eagerness in there. This is eager to maintain the unity in verse three. We're called to, to be zealous in our attitude towards the unity we have within the church. We've been given unity, yes, but we have to play our part in maintaining it. And there's an eagerness to what we've been asked to do, a desperation. I don't know about you, but the things I'm eager for, I'm eager for my dinner when I get home from work. I'm, I'm eager to go on holiday. I'm, I'm, I'm eager and zealous for us to be able to meet together again soon, desperate for that. And it's with that same, if not greater eagerness that we are to work towards and maintaining the unity that we've been given. And it's something that I've been challenged on. And I think that even as, as a healthy church that I believe we are for us to continue in that eagerness of being united with one another. And interestingly, if we look at the word, um, I looked at the word bond um, and in the Greek, it says sandismo. I think it's said like that, um, but it means fastener. So the bond of peace is a, a fastener of peace. A fastener, a fastener is something that holds clothes together. And um, just like ligament of bones, uh, ligament holds a bone together. Peace, uh, we are to be fasteners of peace to preserve church unity. And it's to be energetically, eagerly worked out. And sometimes it makes me think when I talk about fastener, it's like clothes, isn't it? When when someone puts clothes on you, having a tailor-made suit, if you've ever had that done, um, you have them um, have them fastened together and then eventually they get them quite tight and then they start to, to pull, don't they? They're almost about to come undone. And I think that's what we're called to be. As we live life on life, as, as um, people on mission together, but living so closely as we do together at Oikos, we believe that's our calling to be family, don't we, with one another, is that those fasteners, each of us, are going to be stretched at times. As we live closely with one another, there's going to be points where we're going to have to fight for unity. And I'd even go as far as saying that I think that if we are not having to eagerly work for unity, then maybe we're not living close enough together. You see, you can go to some really good churches, can't you? You, look, you get there on a Sunday and it's wonderful. Everything's smooth. Everything works. Everything's on time and all this. And it looks wonderful. It looks as healthy as a church could be. But actually, that's their only interaction with each other each week is that one day, that one service in the morning that a few people put on for them. That's not a sign of a healthy church, but a church that is eagerly having to, to, to work as a fastener of peace to build unity with one another, I think is a sign of a healthy church. And um, a fastener of peace is someone that shows humility, gentleness, patience, forbearance and love, or is having those things grown in them. And that's a prayer for us, isn't it? That we would grow in those attributes that are needed for unity. A humbleness, and we talk about humbleness and humility a lot, don't we? Because Christ has shown us what humility is. It's, it's seeing others as more important and significant than ourselves. That's so hard to do, isn't it? Putting other people's needs before ourselves. But for the sake of unity, that may be what we need to do. Well, it will be what we need to do. Being gentle with one another, 
being patient with one another, bearing with one another in love. You see, if unity and peace aren't maintained in the church, then the church would, would be a visible contradiction of God's design and plan for it. It doesn't mean that there aren't there are times of disunity, but they're worked through and they're worked through together. And that's what what's sought for. But how can we do this? Well, we need help, don't we? It's only when we understand our position before God, what we once were that we've seen so far in the first three chapters of, of what we've been saved from and saved to and what we've been given that we're able to be humble, patient and bearing with one another in love. It's all about love. It's all, it's all about knowing how much we're loved by God. And then when we love God in return, we're able then to love others. That's how it works, isn't it? It's, it's our love for God. And then we're able to go and love others selflessly and in a way that is eagerly fighting for unity and maintaining it. And I think you just got to think about the context that this was written, that Paul's writing to Jews and Gentiles that didn't like each other. They've been put into a church together. They're united. In, they've been told they're united in Christ. And like they hated each other a few a few hours before that, and now they're in a church together, trying to. Um, so this this is really really where the rubber hit the road for them. It would have been an incredible thing, an incredibly difficult thing for them to put into practice. But they're saying, "No, I've given you. You you are now united. I've I've given you this. Christ has won that for you. You've got to maintain it now." These are signs of a healthy church, a group of eager fasteners showing selfless love as they're increasingly clothed in humility, gentleness, patience and love. And I think it's encouraging that that is what I see. And that's been my experience of 10 years of Oikos has been that kind of love for one another. But we have to be mindful that there are things, therefore, that can destroy unity and that's the opposite things. It's putting ourselves first, isn't it? Being aggressive, impatient, intolerant, showing hatred. Those are things that we have to watch out for that don't eke in to a church, to our church. But I would say that if we are not, if we are not someone that is eagerly working towards maintaining unity, then we are working towards disunity. I don't think there's any middle ground. We're either eagerly striving for it or we're not. And if we're not, it's going to be working towards disunity. We need to be energetically acting out as fasteners of peace with humility, patience, gentleness. Christ has fought so hard to win us unity. We have to maintain it and we've been given the tools in which to do so. So a healthy church is one that um, is marked by spiritual unity. Well, secondly, a healthy church is united by, sorry, a healthy church is marked by spiritual service in verses 7 to 12. What we see here is the spiritual gifts that have been given to every single believer. Christ has gifted us with spiritual gifts to all believers. But get this, they've been given in a diverse way as well. They've been given in to different amounts in, in different measures. And that's giving an even greater opportunity for us to be united. There's even greater differences in between when we become believers. Christ is at work giving us different gifts in different uh, measures. But these are gifts that have been given in the amount that are perfectly tailored to us. 
I think that's beautiful, isn't it? They've been given to us in the perfect amount. They've been perfectly tailored to us. And these are gifts that were hard fought, won for. If that makes sense. Is that the right sentence? Anyway, they are gifts that Christ has worked incredibly hard um, to give us. He, he was victorious. And so let me, if you turn to um, verse 8, um, is a quote from Psalm 68, verse 10. Psalm 68, verse 10 um, is, a, is basically Paul's using a snapshot of the whole of Psalm 68, which is about where God sets the captives free and gives gifts to men. And so this is the same thing that he's talking about here, that he's just saying that Christ has won a great victory for us. He's defeated death, rising above all things, and then his victory spoils, the things that he's won for us, he's given to us as these spiritual gifts. What a gift. What, what an amazing saviour we have. What an amazing saviour that we have. He has won for us and given us gifts. So who's been given gifts? Everybody. By who? By Christ. But what are these gifts and what is the purpose of these gifts? Well, we look at verse 11 for that, I think is helpful for us. We read verse 11, it says, and he gave uh, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Now, it seems here that, that Paul goes quickly from talking about all the, the spiritual gifts that everyone's been given without naming them to then now, I think he's specifically teaching to le- uh, speaking of the gifts that have been given to um, to leaders, individuals that have been singled out for public ministry as apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds and teachers. And just to be really clear here, this does not mean that those other spiritual gifts haven't been given to every believer. But I think here Paul is specifically talking about leaders, and I'll, I'll show that um, in, in a moment as to why that is. But everybody has been given spiritual gifts, and I'm not going to get bogged down too much into the details of them. I will mention a few of them that are in other places as well. But just because we've been given them in different measures and so forth, it doesn't mean we don't have the spiritual gift. Because what it says here in Colossians is, is that all um, Colossians 3.16 says, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another. So this is everybody's job is to teach and admonish one another, not just the leaders, but Paul specifically here is just mentioning um, the gifts uh, that the leaders are to use for a specific specific purpose. And that is the purpose of um, equipping, ministering and building. And so the leaders are there to equip the saints for the goal of the work of ministry of the saints which in turn has the goal of building up the body in Christ, equipping, working and building. So the point here is that a leader's equip, the saints for the ministry, of the, for, to minister the work of ministry and for the point of building up the body of Christ. And so leaders are there to equip. They've been told to equip, to, to preach the word, to teach um, the saints so that the saints can minister the work of ministry that is the work of ministry here i think he's talking about is for all the saints leaders as well they're not um they're not everyone's part of that about ministering the word to one another teaching one another it means equipping and being equipped to tell others about christ but i also believe that the work of ministry is for us to be using our spiritual gifts for the benefit of one another in Romans 8 and, and, and 1 Corinthians chapter 12, there are other gifts that Paul talks about that have been given to believers. He talks about um, uh, encouragement, the gift of discerning, the gift of generosity, the gift of hospitality, of administration, and, and others. 
all for, and this is really important, all for the purpose of building up the body of Christ. These are not to be used self selfishly. These are to be used for the good of others. Every single saint has received gifts to a different measure and a healthy church is one that would encourage people to employ their gifts to be part of God's great building program of growing his church. That's what they're there for. They're there for every saint to use, every believer to use, to build up the church. Well, there's some implications then. Firstly, I would say an implication would be to pray for leaders. If they're there to equip the saints, then I think prayer for the leaders that they do that well and lovingly and caringly and wisely is really, really key. Um, yet again this week, there's another sad story of a Christian leader that has fallen from grace that has taken with him a, a lifetime's worth of work that thousands and tens of thousands of people have come under and, and are now uh, left to think, oh, what about, I you know, can't believe he's fallen from grace and what does that mean for my faith and so forth. And, and so it's really important, that I think, that we pray for leaders. Um, it's something that now being a leader myself, I feel a bit embarrassed asking for or saying, but actually just recognising that, is that something that we do? And maybe, and I'm sure, I'm sure you do, but just to encourage us, a healthy church is one that is praying for its leaders to making sure that they are equipping the saints um, wisely and well and lovingly. But I think also what's really important is that all gifts are valuable. Every gift is valuable. And I think in, in 1 Corinthians 12, a, a well-known passage, I think is really helpful here that says, um, in, in verse 16, it says, and if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. But if they are all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. There, there are, we have all, we've got different gifts, different abilities, but they are all needed. We're not all being given the same gift. As part of a church, we've got an eclectic group of gifts that we need to use to work together properly, as it says later in, this, in, um, in our passage today. Um, and so every gift is important. Every single gift. They're all needed. They're all needed to build one another up in love. And I'll just encourage us that as a healthy church that we want to be using all the gifts that we've been blessed with. Well, thirdly, I think it says um, building takes everyone. I think that uh, uh, an implication of, of this is that building takes everyone. No one sits on the sidelines. We all have gifts. We all serve the body. We all belong to the body of Christ. Christ is our head and we make up the body parts. We may be a foot, we may be an eye, we may be an ear, we may even be an eyebrow, but they are all important. They all need to be used. And a healthy church is one where we are all exercising our gifts to serve the good of the body. I think even a healthy church is one where people use gifts that they don't have <laughs> to serve the body because there's a need. And I think that is healthy as well at times when it's needed. But also, just to be clear, it's, it's not just for the few to serve the whole. It is not just for the few to serve the whole. It is in fact for the whole to serve the whole. That is a healthy church. I don't know if you've ever done 
Well, in fact, no, I'll just move on to this bit. Well, um, just some questions maybe to, to think about. Do I know my gifts? It's probably a quite a helpful starting point, isn't it? Um, that, that we know what our gifts are. Read through Romans 8, um, 1 Corinthians 12 and Ephesians 4. Pray through, ask other people to, to speak into it as well. Do I know my gifts? Am I using the gifts that God has given me to build up the church in love? Are there areas I could serve the church in? Or, or am I just willing to let others serve me? <laughs> um, something to reflect on, isn't it? Am I happy other people just serving me? Um, or am I happy serving and using my gifts? Well, finally, um, a church, a healthy church is marked by spiritual growth. So we have uh, spiritual unity and um, spiritual service and then finally spiritual growth. And so we're just, and first of the thing that we see in this passage in, chapter, in verse 13 um, to 14 is that a healthy church is one where we are growing in maturity. There's a maturity, there's growth in our maturity. And a healthy church is one where we're growing maturity in the unity of faith and the knowledge of Christ, it says in verse 13. Unity of faith means that as a church, uh, is a unity in what we believe as a church together. Knowledge of Christ means increasingly knowing and experiencing Jesus more and more as we go on in our faith. So what does maturity look like? Well, I think there's a, a, a stability in doctrine, the set of beliefs that we know are true about Christ. There's a security and stability in that. What do we believe about the Trinity? What do we believe about the cross? What do we believe about the role of men and women? What do we believe about um, the end times? These are all important things that we that we wrestle with and we and we come to a conviction on, but also just encourage you to read the statement of faith on the Oikos website. Have you looked at that before? Have you had a look? Are there things on there that you think, oh, do we believe that? I'm not too sure. And and it doesn't mean that on every single issue we have to believe exactly the same thing. There are things that are um, for discussion that aren't necessarily set in stone in scripture. You can't lay um put, put, lay your hat on. I don't know what you'd say there, but um. But, but there are a lot of things, most things that we are able to say, this is true, this is true, this is true, the Bible says so. And so it's really important that we, that we have an understanding that we are united in what we are believing. It's important because we need to know that when false teachings comes in, that we are able to stand up to it and say, no, that's not true, this is true because of this. We see it in, in coming into the church. Liberalism comes into the church, doesn't it? Across, across the world it's come in. All oh, the cross was just a metaphor. Jesus wasn't a physical being. That's, that's quite a common teaching. So we need to make sure that we, are, we understand what we believe so that we don't get tossed to and fro by the false teachings that will come in or try to come in. It also means not giving up... To, not giving up on hard teachings for the world and, and popular teachings for the world, but actually, no, we, we stand firm on those because we're mature in our faith and we believe what the Bible says that it's authority and it's authority above all other things. So a healthy church is one that's growing in maturity, but also a healthy church is growing in Christ-likeness. And that's the point of this whole thing is we are to become more and more like Jesus. Jesus started, uh, so, um, sorry, <laughs> um, this has been um, started by Christ and it'll be finished by Christ and the spirit is working in us now, making us more like Christ. But we are not to be passive in this process. 
Christ-likeness is not us being passive. We will be one day perfected, and we are on that route now of being perfected right here and right now. What an amazing, amazing plan to be part of. The Lord is at work in us, perfecting us to make him more like our head, Christ. But it's for the whole body together. This is not an individual thing. This is a collective thing as a church. Every joint, every different part of the body that works to this end to help one another in this. Gifted to different measures, but using them to help one another grow to be more like Christ. It's an amazing end goal that we have. But this is, as I said, a collective mission. We need to remember that God's plan is for the church to reveal his greatness to the whole world and the universe. And it's easy to think in our individualistic society that I'm doing okay, my faith's doing well. I can't believe that person over there has been going to church for five years and they ain't growing. Oh, what's going on in there? Oh, what's going on in their life? That's not the way that we need to be thinking. We should be more of like the Eastern way of thinking that it's a whole group mentality where um, if we're concerned, if there's one person struggling or not growing, we need to be concerned with that and be loving and caring and and help nurture them along the path. That is what a healthy church does. Just really quickly, because I'm mindful of, of time here. A healthy church is one that is growing in contribution and commitment. As we recognize that we are family together the more and more we 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 put that into practice and we do that what we see is that we are committed to one another and serve one another committed what does that look like well it might be committed on a sunday to make the gatherings happen it might be committed financially committed and um, by prioritizing others within our church because of their needs and that, we're, that we are family with them. Maybe committing to DNAs and, and discipleship of other people to make sure that we are all, that people are all growing. But a sign of a healthy church is one that grows in contribution and commitment. And then finally, just really quickly, this is to be done all in truth and in love. Demonstrate, a healthy church is one that demonstrates truth in love all done in love. This is not done in condemnation of anyone. This is done out of concern for other people. We challenge one another. We love one another. We encourage one another. We use our, we encourage one another to use our spiritual gifts for the good of the whole. And this is all done first and foremost in love because we know it's for each other's good. See, a healthy church can look great. A church can look great on the, on the outside. It can have lots of things going on, lots of people. But if it doesn't require much of you, then I would question its health. Being part of a healthy church is going to be costly to our lives, our friendships, our time, certainly our bank balances. But it is the greatest plan that we get to be part of. And it's a plan that is perfecting us in order to show God's greatness. So, guys, uh, I, I want to say again, saying that I, I believe that we are a healthy church at Oikos. I think that we are on a wonderful foundation, which is Christ. And that's who we are centered on and who we um, firmly seek in all things. But also we do just need to be mindful of um, those things, working towards eagerly spiritual unity. 
serving one another with the gifts that we have lovingly and preferring others and also um, looking out for one another's spiritual growth. We want to be concerned for one another. We want to see each other grow. We want to see fruit in each other's lives, don't we? Because we know it's what God wants. And we know that it also um, brings glory to him um, as we do that. So um, I'm just going to pray um, now. And then I'm going to hand back to Vicky. Father God, I, I pray um, my bumbling words tonight will have fallen, um, that your spirit will have spoken and fallen into people's hearts, Lord. I pray um, that we would be um, encouraged, Lord, that we... Um, are seeking and desiring to be a church that that um, shows unity, Lord, and is united because we want to bring glory to you, not for our own good, but because we want your church to be seen as um, this wonderful, wonderful example of what um, life is going to be like in heaven when we are all together. Lord, I pray that you would help us grow in unity, Lord. I pray that we would eagerly, each one of us, eagerly fight to maintain that unity, that we would be fasteners of peace, that we would, um, even in those times where um, it gets difficult or there's frustrations or the closer that we live together, Lord, we know that's going to come, but we just pray that you would give us a humility to prefer one another. Lord, I pray that we would serve one another with all our gifts, Lord, that you would make us aware of what they are so we can use them and utilise them for your good and your glory and for other people's good. Lord, I pray that you would grow us and knit us together closer and closer each year, Lord, that goes by. There would just be this growing special bond that we have with one another and lord we pray that others would come and join us lord we want others to be part of us to experience this lord and we pray that they would feel welcomed and loved and they would know that they're part of a church that is working towards um bringing glory to you lord i pray for each of us that we would grow in our faith and our love for you lord i, I pray that dearly for us lord as a church that this next 12 months will be a real time of of growing in our affection for you so that when we do things, Lord, we're not doing them because we feel we have to, we do them because we we love you and we and we this is what we want to do as a natural thing, Lord. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Just as we 